0: Today we are talking about fantasy.
1: And I am so excited to announce that we're going to be joined by Clint McElroy from the Adventure Zone.
0: Please have a listen because Ryan goes a little fanboy on us when he talks to Clint.
1: I do apologize. I could simply not help myself. I was extremely excited. I had to rein it in.
0: And of course, our recommendation section this week is going to be about fantasy books, novels, TV shows, and podcasts.
1: So it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be a high-energy episode. So stay tuned, Kirkwood. This is going to be one of my favorites. All right, it's time to talk about next week's programming. So first up, on July 28th, Tuesday, at 7 p.m., we have the next community conversation on censorship, book banning, and the First Amendment. After that, on July 30th, the Thursday, at 2 p.m., we have Tech Savvy. Learn about Overdrive, Libby, and Hoopla. Now, these are both virtual programs, so you will have to sign up online at KirkwoodPublicLibrary.org slash calendar to make sure you get your invitation. They both sound like a lot of fun, so we hope to see you there. It's time for the special guest introduction of the show. It's Clint McElroy. So grab your 20-sided dice, Kirkwood. It's the KPL Podcast. All right. So it is time for the segment of our special guest, and I could not help myself because it is none other than Clint McElroy, perhaps best known for being the lovable cleric Merle Highchurch on the Adventure Zone podcast. He is an author, podcaster, and his newest book, uh, Pedals to the Metal, is the third volume of the Adventure Zone book series, which hit your Kirkwood Public Library and bookstores
2: last week. Clint, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be talking to you folks.
1: So we're just going to jump right in, and I think Jagisha has our first question. So for
0: the folks at home, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the Adventure Zone is?
2: The Adventure Zone started, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, <laughs> we started doing the, the the podcast. My my sons have done, a, had done a very successful podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, which they're still doing. And as it turned out, my oldest son, Justin, was going to have to take a paternity break because he was going to, he his wife was going, well his wife was doing most of the heavy lifting, but he was going to help with the birth of their first child. So uh, they were looking for film material for those weeks where he wouldn't be able to do my bim bam. And they came to me and said, we've, we've had a bunch of people suggest that the four of us played Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, I said, well, yeah, sure. Honest and truly, we had none of the four of us had, I had never played. I think Travis had played once, but, we had no experience, so it was just a lark. It was just kind of a goof off, having a good time, uh, cutting on each other, and uh, and it worked out so that the people really enjoyed it. So we got an offer from the podcasting network to to do it on a regular basis. So we had been, we were about I don't know three quarters of the way first, the very first story arc through the very first story arc, and we were approached by this uh, this guy named Charlie Olson, who's a literary agent. And he said, have you guys ever thought of trying to market this as a graphic novel? And we said, go for it. And he hooked us up with the terrific people at Macmillan for a second. And that was kind of the, the opening gate.
1: And a fantastic graphic novel it is and podcast, if I may say so.
2: Appreciate Uh, it. We we were it's been really interesting to see the progression of the story because it's very much following that first arc because in that first arc that we did in the podcast, it was just goofs and trying to disrupt the narrative flow as much as we possibly could. I make the I always make the analogy that Merle, Magnus, and Taco, the three main characters, were like the Marx brothers. They were it was anarchy. It was just supposed to be anarchy. And every time Griffin, who is the, the 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 dungeon master, the game master in the in the game would present us with options, we would always pick the most outlandish just to mess with him. And uh <laughs> and, and so and the the first graphic novel here, there'd be has kind of followed that. And then, you know, we we did the Murder in the Rockport Limited, which was kind of a takeoff on Murder on the Orient Express, kind of a who done it on a train. And now yeah, we're up to, to the, right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Hardback. I'm impressed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta protect those books. Yeah. love it. Uh, so pedals to the metal is the uh, third volume of the adventure zone book series. Uh, I got a
2: copy of it right here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> Mine's at home. I can't play this game. <laughs> um, no, it is the third volume in the Adventures of Book series. Without giving us spoilers, could you tell us a little bit about the plot? And if you're up for it and be so kind, could you do it as my favorite cleric, Merle Highchurch?
2: Well, here's the deal. It's kind of like uh, the mishmash of uh, like a cop show. And uh, there's a lot of Fast and Furious, a lot of driving around crazy and there's even a musical theater number so i mean that's uh that's that's kind of a we we kind of continued on you know with the uh the whole pursuit of the the artifacts the grand relics and um in our inimitable badomitable, badomitable fashion screw it up left and right and somehow approach success Yay, very nice.
1: <laughs> Sir, you made my 2020. Ah. That wasn't hard to do, considering <laughs> this has definitely been the highlight for a long time.
2: <laughs> well, I'm just I'm glad I remember the character voice because I'm often accused of not remembering the character voice.
1: I wasn't gonna bring that up, but that I is know. a uh, reoccurring fun bit.
2: You're very kind. <laughs>
1: Okay, so um, uh, number three, I'd like to talk a little bit about the art if I can. Uh, Carrie Peach, uh, and am I saying that right? It's Peach, correct?
2: Peach, right, Uh uh-huh.
1: Her illustrations are just gorgeous and I think one of the most amazing things about this uh, graphic novel is that having listened to The Adventure Zone long before the graphic novels came out, somehow she just made what was always in my head. and how I always envisioned these characters. She just nailed it like there was there was no better version I thought of these characters and there's been some gorgeous fan art out there was that uh was that all of just Carrie's talent or how did the evolution of their designs come about
2: well for one thing you are absolutely right Carrie is absolutely brilliant the she came to us basically through the the realm of of fan art Uh, she was a big fan of the show still is we were just a big admirer of her work and then the first live show we did of the adventure zone uh where it was an actual of uh, its own entity I, I think we did one as you know kind of fun on a at a max Fun drive but this the first time we performed before a paying audience uh, she did the poster art for it and we just absolutely loved it and it just so happened that first show was in Boston at the fabulous Wilbur theater. And she came down. We met the, the four of us sat down with, with Carrie at the the Panera bread across the street from the Wilbur theater. <laughs> and it was just, uh, it, it, we just all clicked. And she, as we have said over and over, she gets it. She gets the adventure zone. She gets it more than we get the adventure zone. <laughs> and in all of the projects that we've done, uh, I mean, it, from the graphic novels uh, to the, the, the board games to uh, any of the merchandising we've done, the work that we've done on uh, the animated series, it's, it's one common thread has always been we want to work with people who are passionate about the Adventure Zone. And Everybody we worked with, from Charlie Olson to Callista Brill, who is our wonderful editor at uh, at at first Second, and Allie Wilgus, who edits uh, us and Carrie, everybody that we have come in contact with, we make it a, a part of the plan that they love it too that they are passionate about it and Carrie is so passionate about it and loves it so much so we we had a lot of input. Uh, with her on the characters. Um and she came to us. We we tweaked a, a few things here or there, but we really wanted this to be the graphic novel's visual canon. We really wanted it to be this version's visual canon. And that's Carrie. That's that's Carrie's version. Uh it, does it mean it would be the the same for anybody else? As you've said, you've seen the fan art and Merle, Merle has been everything from white haired to green haired to blue haired and, you know, eye patch on the left, eye patch on the right. <laughs> everybody has Everybody has their interpretation. I think that's one of the reasons why fans love it so much. But we wanted the graphic novels to be the visual canon that the graphic novels had. And... Carrie has such talent and has such a wonderful eye uh, that she took the suggestions we made, kind of the ideas that we had, and she, she made them hers.
1: That's very gorgeous. Yeah, I, and I think it gets progressively better. If possible, the third volume was amazing. The designs for Hurley and Raven, uh, they just look gorgeous.
2: It's funny because as we progressed, we have made Carrie draw things she doesn't want to draw. She did <laughs> not want to draw a train. And the whole second graphic novel is on a train. And she told me, she said, oh my gosh, trains. I'm, I'm petrified of drawing trains. So I sent her every picture of a train I could find. <laughs> she researched she ended up loving the train. She really ended up loving destroying the train, mm-hmm. um, which, which of course happened because most things get destroyed in the adventure zone. So then when, I mean, Pedals of the Metal, she really worked her, herself up because she was going to have to draw all these vehicles. And she just, she owns it. I mean, they are fantastic. Indeed, indeed.
0: Uh, question number four is: um, This might be further down the line than what is currently planned, but is there talk of seeing adaptations of Amnesty, Graduation, or other Adventure Zone campaigns turned into like, into books?
2: We have talked about it. We have uh, had some pretty good talks about it, and it's—I think—it's a possibility. Amnesty was extremely popular you know and graduation has been extremely popular i think the dust was extremely popular the, the least popular one was the one i did that i gm'd and and it was still a popular um commitment uh but that had the unfortunate uh, task of following griffin as the game master but yeah we have talked about it quite a bit i think uh s- some of the arcs some of the stories some of the characters really would lend themselves to a, a graphic novel um, presentation. So yeah, I can't, I mean, there's nothing official I can announce and I would be drawn and quartered if, if I did. But yes, we have talked about it. We, the, the, the guys and I have talked about it internally with some of the folks in, in our company, in our group. So there is discussion of it. I think it's a, I think it's a possibility.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, as you mentioned, that you did GM the the second campaign, commitment, and maybe what some of our folks at home don't know is not only, or part of your bona fides is that you have written some books for Marvel Comics, and so I was just curious: is in your storytelling of commitment, was there any comic creators that you pulled upon as a kind of a basis for your storyline?
2: Yeah, there were. I um, have. I've been a comic book collector well over almost 60 years. I mean, since I was a little kid, I have loved comics as a, as a medium. I still love comics as a medium. I think they are incredibly important. I think not only are they important for an entertainment purpose, but I think comic books are a great way to get kids into reading and mythology, because let's face it, the superhero genre is our modern mythology. I just have always loved them. I actually wrote some comics back in the 80s. Back in the 80s, I uh, worked for Eclipse Comics and Now Comics. I did a series called Green Hornet Dark Tomorrow, which was a future setting of Green Hornet for now. I did a mini series called Blood is the Harvest about a couple of Monster Hunters, and that was on Eclipse Comics. And the very first check I ever got from a comic book company was from Eclipse Comics. They bought a concept of mine called King of the USA. And King of the USA was this mishmash alternate history where instead of a democracy in the United States of America... Continental Congress and the Founding Fathers decided that we would have a monarchy. We would set up our own monarchy instead of a democracy. So there was a king, King George I, George Washington. And this was now here in our current times, and things had progressed in certain ways, had not progressed. It was basically an excuse for me to have cowboys and superheroes and zeppelins and everything else all in one giant goulash of a comic that was kind of now I will admit never reached publication, but I got paid for it. (laughs) And and a copy of that check is hanging on my wall. Um, But Eclipse unfortunately went out of business, but that was the basis for the, for commitment that there was a, a guy who thought he was the descendant of someone that should be the King of the United States of America. And my comic book influences I always mention this because I was a huge fan of the Thunder Agents. Thunder Agents was a comic book that came out uh by Tower. And Tower basically handed the over to a very talented artist named Wally Wood to put together this series. It was very much, it was in the 60s. It was very much during the spy era with James Bond and Men from Uncle and Honey West and all of these, these kind of shows. And I, that was huge for me, and I kind of wanted it to have that superheroes working sort of like in an espionage way, very science based, very science oriented, and uh, and and it was that was the basis for it uh, because Tower Comics had Wally Wood, had Gil Kane, had John Broom, uh, all of these uh, Steve Ditko, a lot of the the greats that were huge influences. Are, me. Some of my, my favorite artists and, and writers. Oh,
1: I was just going to say some amazing creators. I mean, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man. If you're going to
2: pick, pick from the best. That's, right. that's what I always said. So I, I wanted to have kind of a comic book uh, breeziness and kind of a feel. And someday I would like to return to that particular universe because I learned quite a bit from that first bout of GMing.
1: Well, I would certainly love to hear it, but you know, I'm biased. I love both the Adventure Zone and comics, and I, I <laughs> and I, I did not know that you had written for now comics because I I probably might have one or two because I I remember buying the Green Hornet. Uh, I bought all of the real Ghostbusters, being a huge Ghost. Oh yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I also did a bunch of movie adaptations. I almost hate to admit this. I was the big movie adaptation guy. I did the movie I did the comic book adaptation of the movie Free Jack with Emilio Estevez or Anthony Hopkins and Mick Jagger I did Universal Soldier and of course the three ninjas kick back. Not the three ninjas but the three ninjas kick back. The very important second part of that uh, series You beat me to that
0: (laughs) So, being librarians, we love to ask this question. Uh, what are you reading right now, or what, would you, or what should we be reading?
2: Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I, if you could see my nightstand, and if my computer wasn't low on charge, I'd unplug it and take you in there and show you. I'm one of those readers that has, like, 30 books going at the same time, mm-hmm. and depending on my mood – or what I'm interested in at that particular moment that comes time to pick up a book, I will kind of jump around. I am currently reading The Witchwood Crown by Tad Williams, the first installment of the new uh, Austin Ard trilogy. He um, He wrote a trilogy a few years ago with I think it was Memory, Thorn, and Sorrow. I think it was the, the trilogy that was just. It was George R. R. Martin kind of, if not before George R. R. Martin came out with, with the Game of Thrones books, right around the same time. And it's the same kind of deep fantasy, um, very interpersonal. Uh, jumps around with the 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 point of view that I find really interesting. So, uh, the uh, Witchwood Crown is the first of three. And matter of fact, I just got the second one today. I haven't opened it up yet. I probably should have checked it out of the library first. Sorry.
1: Um, uh, having, having worked in my fair share of pretty much every bookstore in St. Louis, there's nothing wrong with owning books as well.
2: Okay, <laughs> thank you. Whew. I love the About Time series, which is about Doctor Who. And it goes uh, season by season. Great, big, thick, wonderful books, and it's Tat Woods who writes them. And they're in depth, analyzing each episode with an essay on on each one. It's it's a wonderful series. Let's see what else am I reading? I'm. Uh, if, also... if
1: I can jump in, I will second that. Uh, I grew up uh, loving the BBC Doctor Who, and uh, About Time is some great books.
2: Yeah, they are. I I love those. Um, May I
1: ask who your favorite was?
2: Oh God, seriously, <laughs> Tom Baker. What are you, are you? He is
1: are, the gold standard.
2: Are you mad? <laughs> I think I think there's something to the theory that your first doctor is always going to be your favorite, and I just happened to get lucky that my first doctor was uh, was Tom Baker. I can still remember Pyramids of Mars was the first episode I ever watched of Doctor Who, and it used to run on the local PBS station. At four o 'clock in the afternoon, unfortunately, I was working mornings then in in the radio station and so I was always home by four um and absolutely have have loved it ever since i've been rewatching a a whole bunch of them so that's been that's been that 's been a, a a very cool blast. so i 've been kind of going back and forth fiction nonfiction. fiction can 't buy a thrill is a book that i I love about uh, the marx brothers i've already mentioned them once. I only name dropped twice in in an interview (laughs) and about an, um, an unproduced musical that they, uh, they worked on and it's absolutely hilarious. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. I try, I always have something of every genre going and it's one of my passions. I, I, I absolutely love, I, I took five books. We went to the beach for a week and all I did was lay on the beach and, and read. So that's a vacation for me.
1: <laughs> that sounds ideal. So if people wanted to learn more about Clint McElroy and the adventure zone, what would you recommend they do?
2: Well, I think that, uh, go to the adventure And I think that by buying multiple copies of the books <laughs> is the best way to, to learn. I think Justin said, what I advise is, you buy a copy, you read it, you immediately give it to somebody else, but only after they've told you that they've already bought their own copy. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I tell you a, a great way, the, uh, the McElroy Family YouTube channel is a, a great place to kind of keep up to date and catch up. Also, my wife and I, my wife Carol and I, did a, we did readings for 72 days of different books live on live streaming, but they recorded them in there also where we, it ended up kind of being bedtime stories that people were sharing with their kids. And we did, uh, we did Coraline by Neil Gaiman, because Neil Gaiman gave permission for people to read live stream, which was very Uh, gracious of him.
1: Oh, I was going to say, we've done a -a dial-a-story, Jagisha and I, uh, so on our website, but uh, our patrons can call in once a day and they can hear us. Reading a story, and we have been incredibly grateful to Neil Gaiman oh, for doing that. Yeah, uh, we have gone to his canon so many times, and uh, and I have seen the, the the Coraline one you did, and oh, it was
2: so good. Carol and I just had a great time doing it, and and one of the things that we loved about it was the fact that we had not pre-read anything before we did it. So what people saw was, you know, my own mom said, uh, "You got." We did the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. And we got to the end of it and Carol and I were both just crying and, you know, no snot bubbles because it was, you know, it's just touching, beautiful, poignant moments because that darn Neil Gaiman does that. And my, my own mom said, yeah, I heard that one. You never cry when you leave me. Um, but yeah, we had it. And, and we are probably going to bring those back once things settle down a little bit. We just had so much fun doing it. and We got such a nice response from folks.
1: Well, before we do the outro,
2: was there anything you'd like to plug today? Did I mention that we did a third graphic novel?
1: <laughs> I'm not um, sure if we covered that.
2: There is a uh, a collection of Journey a Mystery, the Marvel series that we, we did as part of the uh, War of the Realms. And uh, we were very proud of that. And, and that was all, all four of us worked on that. Um, and I believe... There's a collection of the Marvel team-up that I did with Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel, which was a lot of fun to do. Um, Those are there, and we've got a new card game that's going to be coming out anytime soon. So, trust me, if you go on the worldwide internet and just type in McElroy, you'll find out about all those
1: things. All right, so I'm going to do the outro, but I've been known to fib, so if you'll permit me, could the cleric come back and cast a particular spell that he's known for?
2: Oh, yes, I know just the one.
1: I cast Zone of Truth! Our special guest today was Clint McElroy. His latest book, Pedals to the Metal, as well as his previous titles, are available at your Kirkwood Public Library and wherever hilarious books are sold. Clint, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: It has been my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. And, uh, and listen, you all keep up the good work. I know that this is not an easy time for anybody. But it, it, I mean, I, I admire what you guys do with your curbside service and, and all the things that you're doing to keep, and, to keep things going. So hats off to you. If I were wearing a hat, I'd, I'd take it off. But, I'm <laughs> to, but really, keep up the good work.
1: Well, we appreciate the sentiment.
2: And just everybody stay safe, stay healthy, keep being smart, and choose joy.
1: Well said. Choose joy. Thank you so much.
2: You are very welcome.
1: So we've reached that point of the show that Jagisha and I both love. It's time for recommendations. And since our theme this week has essentially been fantasy and kind of D&D-related material, we're talking about some of our favorite fantasies. Um, So Jagisha. Would you like to kick it off, or shall I?
0: Uh, No, I can kick it off. So I've got a couple of interesting recommendations. But before we get into it, I did want to talk a little bit about the genre itself, because this is one of those genres where it's got a lot of subgenres. And so you have sort of your deep fantasy, like great Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. But then there's also these urban fantasies where it's a fantasy world, but it's within the normal world.
1: Certainly, the term fantasy is fairly nebulous. Yes. And covers a great mini-ground. In fact, my own recommendations are are going to be two entirely different types of fantasies.
0: Yeah, mine too. Excellent. My first one is going to be, it used to be, it was a TV series. Uh, It was called True Blood. And it was based on the books, The Southern Vampire Mystery by Charlene Harris. So they had taken the books and they had turned it into True Blood. Now, the Be books are Suki
1: much-
0: Stackhouse. That's right. Oh, go you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. You knew that exactly. Suki Stackhouse was the main character, and so the books are actually lighter mm-hmm. to read. They're a little bit of, of a lighter read than the TV show, which is a little bit darker uh, show. But if you haven't read those, and we have we have them in the library here. The entire series is here. So I would say have a read. They're they're just fun and light and. You know, you you fall into the fantasy world of vampires because vampires have come out of the closet, essentially, because there was the invention of fake blood. And so now they're out in the world and there's also animal or there's people that can change into different animals so they can change into wolves and dogs and tigers and all different things. It's a fun read. And then Suki Stackhouse, of course, learns that she's part fairy. So (laughs) there's a whole bunch of mischief with the fairies.
1: Yeah, when you add the fae to a fantasy book, it's always usually a good bet it's going to be fun.
0: Yes, exactly. Your turn.
1: All right. uh, My first book I'm going to recommend is one that came out last year that I've read for, in fact, the uh, science fiction fantasy book group of the library. It is called Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. It's a pretty good book. It's basically, so the main character is Ivy Gamble, and she's kind of like angry P.I. She's kind of a Jessica Jones character, if I will, if if you get the reference. So she, a young woman that perpetually kind of makes poor choices for herself, and she's kind of self-deprecating, uh, but she is a talented P.I., and uh, a gruesome murder happens in this school for magic users, so kind of very Harry Potter-esque overtones mm-hmm. she basically gets called in to investigate this because uh her strange twin sister teaches at the school and her twin has magic capabilities and she does not and, and it kind of that bitterness kind of shows through it deals with a lot of adult issues so if fans of like harry potter is looking for it it's, it's a lot darker i will also kind of qualify my like of this book by saying It is a good book, and it is a fun read, but I feel like it could have been a better job of world building. You need to kind of check your brain at the door with it. There's a lot of moments where I couldn't stop myself thinking, yes, but if this school for magic users existed in this world, this would be something completely different. There's a lot of moments where you have to suspend disbelief. And that's saying about a world with a school for magic users. (laughs) But that aside... It's a really interesting mystery, and I would recommend it.
0: Well, and I have to agree, or I have to sort of jump in or comment about when you create a world, a magic world, you do still have to have certain rules and laws to follow, and it has to still make sense. Otherwise, I don't think it's it's well done. I mean, the rules have to stay fixed, I think, in fantasy. Otherwise, it doesn't really work.
1: I mean, it depends on what kind of story you're telling, but for ones that rely heavily on intricate world building i agree. And, you know, the beauty of Magic is for Liars is that it might not require intricate world building. It might just be a standalone book that she wrote, and and that's fine. But if you're going to do something like a Harry Potter universe, you need clearly defined magical rules. There are just a, a couple of moments in the book where I was like, well, I don't think that would work that way if you existed in a realm where magic existed. That being said, it's a good book, and I would recommend it. Okay. What's that next recommendation?
0: Well, my next recommendation actually goes into true fantasy. Uh, It's actually an author recommendation. It's Brandon Sanderson. One of his series is called Mistborn. And he is very well known in the fantasy community. You might know him because he is the author that finished The Wheel of Time. Robert Jordan, who was the original author of that particular series, uh, passed away while he was working on the last book. And so... You know, fans love this book. This is well-loved series. And Brandon Sanderson is also a, a big fan of the series. And so he was asked to finish. And he ended up adding three more volumes to the story because it was such a big story. In, in his own right, he is a very good fantasy writer. And so I recommend him. And if you want to start out, I would recommend Mistborn.
1: Mistborn. I'll have to check it out. My last recommendation is going to kind of be tied in here with the Adventure Zone. And since we had Clint McElroy on today, there are other podcasts out there that do D&D and then have gone on to make like a graphic novel. One of those is a podcast called Critical Role. It is a podcast where a group of voice actors and actresses get together and they play D&D amongst other games. I'm going to recommend their book called Vox Machina, which is also the name of their you know first main story arc, what really caught on fire. And Origins Volume 1 is available, and it is, again, a very pretty... This one's a little bit more serious, where Adventure Zone is kind of more fun and haphazard. Vox Machina is, you know, it's still strange, unsuspecting heroes get together, and there is still a lot of humor in it, but it's kind of more of a standard... D&D fantasy realm. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I myself am a video gamer, so uh, one of the uh, one of the actors on there, or the creator, is Matthew Mercer, and he's kind of hot right now for doing, well, a lot of anime, but he also does the voice of McCree from Overwatch.
0: Ooh, okay. All right, so we've just given you a variety. We've got a TV show and a book series thrown in, some deep fantasy... I mean, that's the thing with fantasy genre. It can go anywhere.
1: And that's, I think, why we all love it.
0: Yes, I agree. So do you have any suggestions for us? Please leave us a comment and let us know your thoughts on fantasy.
1: We'd love to hear it. Hail and well met, Kirkwood. So we hope you've enjoyed our fantasy-themed episode, Kirkwood. I want to thank Clint McElroy for joining us of the Adventure Zone I had a fantastic time. And if you'd like to learn more about Dungeons and & Dragons and other role-playing games, I'd like to give a shout-out to our team department, who regularly puts on games that you can join. It's definitely worth checking out at KirkwoodPublicLibrary.org. Not only that, but the MLC has a wide variety of monster manuals, Dungeon Master guides, and player handbooks. So if you'd like to learn more about how to put on a game for you and your friends, well, look no further than the Kirkwood Public Library. So since Clint McElroy was our guest, our quote this week is going to be from Mr. Groucho Marx. Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Thank you, Kirkwood. See you next week.